Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In 50 years, it turns out the Star Trek has had its time in the witness box, many times over. Quite a few of these cases have been tossed out of court owing to the ludicrous nature of the claims or the failure to provide direct evidence when needed. Still, others have involved a bitter fight all the way to the end. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture and here are 10 biggest and weirdest lawsuits in Star Trek history. 10. The shoe is on the other foot. In 1980, Clarks of England, makers of Trek shoes, obtained the license to produce Star Wars branded sneakers for children. At nearly the same time, the Glen Shoe Company announced that it would begin producing a line of licensed Star Trek branded shoes for children. Clarks was not happy about this. This would put the two companies in direct competition with each other in the sci-fi branded footwear market, though initially there was nothing to be done as Clarks did not have the rights to produce Star Trek products. It did, however, have the rights to the Trek label. They brought a suit to the Southern district of New York and sought to block the Glen Shoe Company from selling any of its proposed Star Trek shoes. However, the suit was denied as the court deemed that the Trek shoes, which were designed for adults, and the Star Trek shoes, which were made for children with images of Mr. Spock and the Starship Enterprise on them, were not in competition with each other and there was little chance of confusion. 9. Bootleg tapes are deemed copyright infringement. In 1981, Les Rabinowitz was brought to court over the illegal distribution of Star Trek on VHS cassette. Paramount understandably did not take kindly to him profiting off their product, yet he made a compelling counter-argument. He stated that the pre-1978 airing of Star Trek had fallen into the public domain, as the entire original series had been exhibited as a general publication without the copyright notice required by the 1909 Copyright Act. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the defence failed to impress the court, and Rabinowitz was ordered to cease and desist his sale of the videotapes. As this coincided with a new surge in popularity after the release of Star Trek The Motion Picture, and the studio was gearing up towards the release of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, this case brought publicity to the front even if it came at the cost of some diehard collectors. 8. Spock Plates Cause Trouble The Hamilton Group is a company that primarily produces limited edition plates. It was one such plate that caused this legal action to be taken in 1984. They released an edition featuring Mr. Spock, along with a statement that read, After a 90-day firing period, these editions will be retired and the masters will be destroyed, meaning they can never be reopened. This was clearly to drum up extra interest and ensure a surge in purchases. However, in 1987, Hamilton put up more of these so-called limited edition plates, which caused a customer to complain to the National Advertising Division of the Better Business Bureau. Hamilton then explained their 90-day firing period did not necessarily state that it would be 90 consecutive days, so they had done nothing wrong. However, they did offer a refund to the customer for the price of the plate and agreed to use clearer terminology going forward to avoid any such confusion. 7. Romulan Punk Rock 
James White is the frontman for a punk rock band named the Romulans, formed in 1982. The name was derived from a combination of Romulus and Romans. This was a statement of the politics of ancient Rome and how they compared to the politics of Reagan-era America in the 1980s. White attempted to register the band's name and logo in 1983, which Paramount Pictures quickly opposed. They claimed that Romulans had long been a part of the Star Trek franchise, as the original Romulan commander and ship had appeared in 1966. Further to this, they had produced licensed material, merchandise and other goods with the name Romulan on them. The Trademark Trial and Appeal Board ruled against Paramount in this instance. They found that, while the company had produced these items as described, they had failed to do so while copywriting the name Romulan. Therefore, they found that White was free to register his band's name and logo, thus a new era of pointy-eared punk rock began. 6. A Sexy Federation of Planets Joanna Lindsay, author of Warrior's Woman, was sued by Sharon Green, author of The Warrior Within. Here are both synopses, starting with Warrior's Woman. Experienced in combat, but not in love, the beautiful untouched Amazon flies with Martha, her wise-cracking free-thinking computer, to a world where warriors reign supreme, and then into the arms of the one man she can never hope to vanquish, the bronzed barbarian Shallon Lynn Seiter. And The Warrior Within on assignment to a primitive planet where women are valued for their pliancy and eroticism, Terry encounters the huge barbarian Tamant, a blonde behemoth who appreciates her in an entirely different way from the men on her homeworld. Torn between attraction and rebelliousness, she begins a journey that will shape her life and the lives of those around her. While we immediately source copies of these novels, Green's lawsuit stated that Lindsay's Centura League of Confederated Planets was entirely too similar to her own central amalgamation. This, among other things, was the basis of her argument. The court threw out the case. They argued that Star Trek had beaten both authors to the punch with their United Federation of Planets. Besides, they continued, a central alliance of worlds was hardly something that could be trademarked by any one author. No, really, has anyone got any copies of those books? 5. Direct TV Goes to Court the famous ad from 2006 parodied Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. In it, William Shatner reprises the role of Captain Kirk, poking fun at the older movie. Chekhov asks the captain if they should raise their shields, to which he replies, again with the shields? The ad was designed to boost sales for DirecTV. However, Time Warner took issue with the statement from the other company was advertising that their quality was superior to all other forms of television. They took DirecTV to court. Time Warner's argument was that the ad was a case of false advertising. The district court ruled in their favour, stating, that it was a case of literal falsity. DirecTV was claiming that its picture quality was superior to what was commercially available, which was not the case at all. The case adopted the false by necessary implication doctrine, which the Second Circuit affirmed. 4. Roddenberry v. Roddenberry Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry divorced his wife Elaine in 1969, which was around the same time that the original series ended. The document was mostly handwritten, and in it, Elaine was promised one-half interest in future profit participation from Star Trek. In 1996, after Gene had passed away, Elaine brought a suit against his estate, managed by his widow, Majel Barrett, to collect her dues. She argued that there had been no limitations on what the one-half interest meant, and that she was due income from all of the Star Trek movies, merchandising, and current series. The court disagreed that she was due anything from the movies or merchandising, though conceded that she be entitled to revenue from The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, as they were continuations of the original series. However, this decision was overturned by the Court of Appeals, as they found it unlikely that either party had intended this agreement to go beyond the original series, which in 1969 was considered a financial failure. Future movies and spin-off shows were unimaginable at that point, so they ruled that Elaine was not due anything. 3. Identity Theft of a Dabo Girl 
In 2002, Chase Masterson, real name Christiane Carafano, discovered that someone had created a fake profile for her on Matchmaker.com. The profile described certain sexual exploits that she liked, as well as stating that she wanted a man who could dominate her both in and out of bed. The profile included her photo, home address and telephone number. Masterson soon received disturbing and threatening phone calls, along with less insidious, yet still unwanted, messages from Star Trek fans. She brought a suit against Matchmaker.com for defamation and invasion of privacy but the district court dismissed the claims. The defense argues that even though much of the information had been provided as answers to the site's personality form generators, that alone did not leave them an information content provider. The website was then immune from any responsibility under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, even though the court conceded that the consequences of such immunity were deplorable. 2. Nimoy v Paramount in 1972, Leonard Nimoy met Henry Fonda on the set of The Alpha Caper, after which they remained friends. Three years later, Nimoy and his wife Sandra Zopher joined Fonda and his wife Shirley Mae Adams for dinner after a performance of the play he was appearing in, in Darrow. During this dinner, Fonda asked Nimoy what he thought of the Spock billboards all over town. What billboards? Nimoy replied. He had seen Spock's face on merchandise for quite some time, yet never given it much thought. However, the sexual nature of the Heineken ad, in which drinking beer makes Spock's ears rise, he found to be in bad taste. He discovered that Heineken had not received permission to use his likeness, though he also found that Paramount had not been paying him for merchandising rights in several years. He sued the company, going so far as to hold up any production on Star Trek The Motion Picture until the case was resolved. With the help from Jeffrey Katzenberg, a payment was delivered to Nimoy and the case was settled. 1. Axenar the Axenar fan film production is probably the most well-known lawsuit surrounding the franchise. Fan productions have existed for years, yet Alec Peters' prelude to Axenar drew the ire of CBS. Peters released a 21-minute film that was to lead into a 90-minute feature. However, there is more to this than a simple-ish case of straightforward copyright. Around the same time that Prelude to Axenar was released, there were several fan projects in production, such as Star Trek New Voyages, Star Trek Continues, and Star Trek Renegades. The latter was billed as a new pilot, which was then switched to a web series. CBS took the Axenar production to court, citing several issues. The scene set on Vulcan, released in 2015, was deemed indistinguishable from the content they had already produced. Pre-production was underway under Star Trek Discovery, which certainly shared story elements with Axenar, including the Klingon war itself. Also cited was the use of the Klingon language and ships, along with the Vulcans. Seeking a settlement, the Axenar team offered the production to CBS free of charge, yet this was rejected. In May 2016, CBS then released a new set of guidelines for any fan production to follow, though the restrictions they imposed were described by Peters as draconian. A short time later, J.J. Abrams spoke at an event promoting Star Trek Beyond, during which he announced that the lawsuit would shortly be going away. However, this did not turn out to be the case. CBS proceeded with the suit, and both parties settled in early 2017, with an agreement that was very similar to the first one proposed back in 2015. Though the original plan of a 90-minute film was out the window, two 15-minute episodes were permitted. While the release of the these episodes was delayed by over a year due to COVID-19, there is good news to come. In summer 2021, the full two-hour audio drama of Axanar will be released on their website, read by J.G. Hertzler. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.